Remember that Daniel found out from reading Jeremiah that the captivity would last 70 years, so he began to pray to God, confessing their sins and asking for the Lord to uh, have mercy on them uh, and to uh, restore the people and their sanctuary. And Gabriel uh, came down to answer uh, in person Daniel's prayer. He has a message from God for Daniel. And uh, notice the end of 23. I've come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed, so give heed to the message and gain understanding of the vision. And what we're going to see now is the message vision that Gabriel gives Daniel in answer to his prayer for about the 70-year captivity and the fact that the time period was nearly over. Daniel himself has been captive for nearly 70 years now. So, would somebody read 24 to 27? Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people and for your and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So you are to know that and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. It will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing, and the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be war, desolations, and our desolations are determined. And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering, and on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who makes desolate. Okay, excellent. Um, so, what Gabriel tells Daniel about is this 70 weeks. Now, he's going to divide the 70 weeks up into three sections. Seven weeks, 62 weeks, and one week. If you're quick on math, that makes 70. And he starts by giving the overall goals and accomplishments that are to be fulfilled within this whole 70-week period. Now, when we talk about 70 weeks, in my judgment, this is just a symbolic period of time. 70, uh, referring to a, a 7 times 10, a long, complete period. This is 77s. So it's going to be a complete period of time. But in that time, look what's going to happen. Some really cool stuff in verse 24. Finish the transgression, make an end of sin, make atonement for iniquity, bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up vision and prophecy, and anoint the most holy one, I think, uh, could be placed, but that's, uh, I think perhaps, anoint the most holy one. Um, Those are the things that were going to be accomplished within this 70-week period of time. Now, do any of those sound familiar to you? Like, do you know anything about those things happening? Sure. Yeah. When? Christ and the atonement. Yeah. Yeah. I think all of these things, if you stop and think about it, 
was it Jesus the one that that put an end to sin, that finished the transgression by making atonement for iniquity? And then he brought in everlasting righteousness. And he, by fulfilling all the things that the Old Testament was pointing to, he sealed up the vision and prophecy. And perhaps the anointing of the Most Holy One refers to Jesus himself being anointed by God, being the Christ, the Messiah, who would do all these things. There's some other possibilities on that one. It's a little bit more difficult to be sure. But I think certainly what he's looking at is, are the things that are going to happen with the uh, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So that's what they have to look forward to during this 70-week period. So that's the kind of the overview, first step. Questions or comments to that point? So that's throughout the entire 70 weeks. I think so. I think he's not defining when within the 70 weeks this happens. Somebody at the door? Uh-huh. They're gathering outside. Okay, gotcha. No, I heard some. Oh, there you go. So I think that I think those are the general objectives within the 70 weeks. Uh, and, and they're very encouraging things. You know, soon the people are going to go back from captivity, as Jeremiah said, as Daniel's been praying. But you ever kind of wonder how they felt about that? Because, you know, they'd been in the land before. They'd had the temple before and all that. And it ended in this tragic and terrible destruction of the temple and captivity. You know, so what if they come back and things just go bad again? Well, this is saying, oh, things are going to go good. There's going to be some great things happen during these 70 weeks. We're in uh, Daniel 9.24. Beginning. Now, he, he, the rest of this, and that's kind of the overview of the things that are to be accomplished within the 70 weeks. Now he goes back and details it starting in 25. You are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Now, what do you know about a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem? Who issued that? Cyrus. Cyrus did. Of course, that fits exactly with what Daniel's been praying and what he was reading about in Jeremiah. This 70 years involves Cyrus issuing the decree that the people can go back, thus ending the exile. Now, there is one verse that is very similar. Uh, I'm, I'm belaboring this because later on we'll talk about some of the false teachings about this passage. And that's one of the big decisive questions is when does this 70 weeks begin? Well, it begins with the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Well, that's very much like Isaiah 44, 28. It is I who says of Cyrus... He is my shepherd, and he will perform all my desire. And he declares of Jerusalem, she will be built, and of the temple your foundation will be laid. So he is the one that declared that Jerusalem would be built. He's talking about Cyrus' decree. From that point, until the anointed one, the Messiah, the prince, there will be 70 weeks and 62 weeks. Now, did I say 70? 
seven weeks and 62 weeks. Um, I don't know why he divides this into seven plus 62. The only thing I know is that just accentuates the sevenness of this more. And, and seven is the point. This is God's number. This is the perfect, complete number, etc. But I don't know something that happened, say, at the end of the seventh week or at the beginning of the, you know, week eight or something like that. So, you know, I can't, I, I don't really know what to say about all that. But after this decree is issued, it wasn't just the issuing of the decree. The end of verse 25 says, it will be built again with plaza and moat, even in time of dis- times of distress. So he's saying the decree will be issued and it will happen. Jerusalem will be rebuilt. And from the issuing of the decree to Messiah the Prince is 7 plus 62 weeks. So Messiah the Prince comes at the 69th week. Now, do I need to pause here and maybe let you ask questions or make comments at this point? But it's not a literal time of... I don't think so. You, you can't take the 500 and whatever years it is from the Cyrus's decree to the coming of Christ and divide that up into 62 pieces and say, okay, a week is this, this many days. Actually. I will tell you later what the false teachers try to do with this. They do try to make it a literal period by making the weeks weeks of years. But the gyrations they go through makes you see why I'd say this is not literal. Most of the time, many of the time periods in prophets are symbolic. I wouldn't say they all are, but many of them are. And if this isn't symbolic, I don't think we got a clue as to how to deal with this. I mean, from 530, what, 538, 536, when Cyrus issued the decree, until Jesus was cut off in, say, 30 A.D., would be about 566 years. How do you fit 70 weeks into 566 years? Not evenly. <laughs> you know, I, it just doesn't work, um, which is a clue. And I don't know, numbers like that are just so often symbolic. I don't see a reason to take them any other way. It's not like he's... Think about the difference between him saying 70 weeks and Jeremiah's prophecy that within 70 years they'd come back from captivity. 70 weeks is already symbolic. If it meant 70 literal weeks, that's what? A year and four months. You know, so they already think it's symbolic. They think it's symbolic of weeks of years. But the 70 years of Jeremiah, that was 70 years, and it occurred in 70 years, and it was more of a historical thing for them to look forward to after 70 years they'd come back. You know, but 70 weeks, I don't know of anybody who takes it as 70 literal weeks. So this is beginning in Daniel's time? I think so, beginning shortly after he said this. Okay. Yeah. Because Daniel's already in the first year of Darius, first year of Cyrus then. And it looks to me like pretty shortly after Cyrus came to power, you know, he issued the decree. So I think within the next few months, probably. So if it were literal... For literal, literal? If it were literally 70 weeks, then by chapter 10, yeah, exactly. the third year, it's accomplished. It would have been accomplished, done. yeah, exactly. So... I should start in the third year, and and this is what all that happened. See, I just told you. I've never heard of anyone who thought they were literally 70 weeks, although the premillennials will always harp on the thing, you have to take it literal. 
But the thing they do is, they don't take it literal either. I probably illustrated with this somewhere along the line. But there is a fairly decent, strongly premillennial commentary to volume commentary on Revelation. But I kid you not, I mean, this was so annoying. Every left-hand page, he exhorts to take things literal, and every right-hand page, he's figurizing something. Now, I, I, you know, it's almost like they're so blind to that, I'm not sure he realized what he's doing. But it's like, it was like clockwork. Every other page was an exhortation, we have to take these literally. And just as soon as you read that, you read him figurizing something. <laughs> Nobody takes all that stuff literally. Nobody! They don't take it literally, either. But what we do is arbitrary. You know, we say, we, well, we take some literal, some figurative. Well, if you're going to do that, okay. Maybe some of it's literal and figurative. Don't tell me you have to take it all literal. If you're going to take some of it figurative, at least admit you do that too. Then we might have the debate, well, how do you decide which is which? Okay, I'll buy that. But when they give the impression that we just take everything literal, and then they, don't, they take many of the things as figurative, you, they're not taking it literal if they say these are weeks of years. That's not literally what it says. It says literally 70 weeks. That's just one problem I have with all that. Well, we'll talk about it a little more. Well, you'll see. When, I, when we get into that, you'll see why I think this is... This is a big passage for a lot of people, yes. What is the premillennialist doctrine, and like, how does this tie into it? I'll, I'll explain that. Okay. Let me go ahead and finish out what it is say. It's so confusing when we don't do that. Fine. Maybe it does anyway. So, 26, then after the 62 weeks. Now, remember, what that really means is after week 69, because we had 7 plus 62. So, at the end of the 62, Two weeks would be at the end of 69 overall. So we've only got one week left at that point. After the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. Now what does that sound like to you? Yeah, and I think pretty much everybody agrees with that. Um, And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Well, what was the city? Jerusalem. And the sanctuary. The temple. And who were the people of the prince who came in and destroyed the city and the sanctuary? Rome. And he says, and its end will come with a flood. Even to the end there will be war, desolations are determined. So this is going to become flooding to an end. There will be war and desolations. It's going to be really bad. And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. Now, I think the week we're dealing with now in 27, and pretty much everybody agrees, is the 70th week. That's the one week now. We don't agree on who the he is. And that's debatable. I prefer thinking it's the Messiah. That the Messiah makes a firm covenant with the many for one week. But in the middle of the week... He will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. Now that's what Jesus did. He made a firm covenant with the many for this 70th week. In the middle of the week, though, he stopped the sacrifice and grain offering. You know know how? He says, on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until complete destruction, one that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. Now, 
I think Jesus put a stop to the sacrifice and grain offerings by destroying the temple where they were offered. The Jews from then till now have not offered sacrifices because they did not have a place to do it. From Deuteronomy, they were not allowed to offer sacrifices anywhere except the one place the Lord would choose. When God destroyed the city and the sanctuary, Jesus did, with the Roman armies in AD 70, that stopped that. And he connects it with the abomination of desolations. Now an abomination is some horrible, outrageous sacrilege. And evidently some horrible thing happened in the temple. Now do you remember how Jesus picks up on this phrase of Daniel in Matthew 24 and Mark 13 and he says when you see what Daniel the prophet spoke of the abomination of desolations, then let the reader understand and flee to the mountains. Get out. So this is the very passage he's talking about. There was going to be some terrible abomination occur in the temple that was going to, according to Jesus, be their sign to flee. Flee, why? Because of all these desolations and destructions that the Romans were going to bring on Jerusalem. So, in the 70th week, Jesus makes the covenant with the people, and he also stops the sacrifice and grain offerings by destroying the temple. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I have no problem with assuming the 70th week lasts until Jesus comes back. These are symbolic periods of time. I would say we're living the 70th week. He's still got the covenant with us. He still put a stop to the sacrifice and the grain offering. If you want to think of that differently, you can do whatever you want, but that's the way I think of it. So when Jesus died and like the veil was torn and everything, did they just fix it and then keep using the You know, I have never asked about that. I don't know. Surely they did fix it. I can't imagine they would have let the priests in there with a split veil. But they kept like sacrificing everything. Yes. Oh, yes, they did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. They kept sacrificing until they couldn't sacrifice anymore because they didn't have a place. So, I mean, that's one of the big problems with Judaism today. I mean, that, you know, they're fighting over the Dome of the Rock and that whole area because, I mean, it's a holy place for both the Muslims and the Jews, and the Jews would love to have it back and build a temple and be able to sacrifice and, you know, worship God again. <laughs> I mean, I understand in some ways they worship, but as far as the sacrifice is concerned. So, how is that? I mean, you need to see the truth before I confuse you with the false doctrine. <laughs> So he, he mentions re coming back, I guess, and rebuilding the temple in a uh, in a message to the the exiles that they will go back and it will be rebuilt. Yes. And then goes farther with uh, talking about the Messiah. Way farther. Yes. This is really the whole program in four verses. Pretty cool. Daniel gets to hear all this. God blessed Daniel a great deal. And of course, he wasn't doing it just to bless Daniel, but so he could reveal it for the people from there on out. You know, Daniel really shows, as much as any book may show it, Daniel shows God always has a plan. You know, God's got all this thing mapped out. You know, you don't always see that in the prophets as, as explicitly as Daniel shows it. And that's going to be never more true than when we get to 10 to 12, especially 11 and 12. 
but uh, but we've seen it already. I mean, the statue dream and the animals coming out of the sea and so forth. You've got that succession of kingdoms and then God's going to establish his. You see, God knows exactly what's going to happen. He's got everything on his timetable. And so this 70, 70 weeks just shows you that same idea. You had something right? I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what happens at each point in, you know, like the seven weeks and the 62 and the last one. You know, like the amount of time that it actually took for these things to happen doesn't really seem to sync up at all with, you know, the even if you scaled it to like a week being a year or whatever. Um, yeah, it doesn't at all. I don't think it was intended to. Do you think, you know, there's significance in those time periods? Like, you know, if we're living in the 70th week, you know, that could that be saying that, you know, the work is done. Um. I mean, 70th week might be the most significant week, being 7 times 10, but to try to make anything more out of it than that, I don't know. Okay. So verse 24 is kind of like an overview of everything that happened. I think it gives you the whole goals and objectives that are to be completed sometime within that 70 weeks. Okay. That's what I think. That's what they have to look forward to without specifying exactly when. Here is the premillennial idea. Now, this is a key text. For one thing, you've got this. They make this weeks of years. So they say it's 490 years. <coughs> and one of their big things is when Jesus comes back to rapture the church, there will be seven years of tribulation on the earth. You ever wonder where they get the seven, seven years? 70th week of Daniel. It's the 70th week, and that's a week of years, so it's seven years. That is the only place they get the seven years. And they've got the three and a half, which they say is the great tribulation from, like, Revelation. But the seven years, that's the 70th week of Daniel. So that's a key element. That's the seven years where the Antichrist rises and you have all this stuff while the church is raptured and in the air with Jesus. And so that's, that's a big deal. But for them to do that is kind of a problem. Because the, the, the years don't match up if they're trying to take this literally. Not anyway. Here's what they do. And then we'll talk about how, the, how difficult this is. They make three or four critical mistakes. They don't start with the decree of Cyrus. They start normally either with, the, with Nehemiah coming back to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem or even with Ezra coming back to start a spiritual revival. Nehemiah comes back in 445, Ezra comes back in 458. Now, if you do the calculation, neither one of those dates work. So here's what they say. Now, this will curl your hair, but this is what they say. When Daniel spoke of these weeks of years, he was talking in terms of prophetic weeks not actual um, physical weeks. And for a prof- uh, so a prophetic year is just 360 days. But real years are 365 and a quarter days. So you have to recalculate the prophetic years into real years I think you do that by like dividing by 360 and then multiplying by 365 or however that works. 
So you can transfer prophetic years into real years. If you do that, and depending on the date you take of the crucifixion and the date you start with and so forth, you can jimmy it enough to make it at least possible. And some of, they'll play sometimes, sometimes this is well like when Jesus started his ministry or when he died, depending on how they're working this. And, you know, and then, so that's the 69. They, they say it's 60, 483 years they've got to work out. Then they say, when Jesus died, God's prophetic time clock stopped ticking. Because Jesus was crucified, the Jews rejected him, and so all the plans God had God had for the 70th week got put on hold. And the 70th week still hasn't begun yet. But God's plan got put on hold? It got put on hold because men rejected it. And so all the prophecies in the Old Testament they're still awaiting their fulfillment when the 70th week comes. So whenever God's prophetic time clock stops, starts ticking again, when Jesus returns to rapture the Christians, then that starts the 70th week. And that's where we've got the seven years, and that's where all these prophecies are going to be fulfilled, and all of that. So it's 70 weeks made by jimmying with the 69, starting in the wrong place, and using this confusing mathematical calculation. And then by just totally stopping the calculation for a couple thousand years before you start it again. I really like the procedure, though. Because by that analysis, I'm just 22 years old. <laughs> See, the, the time clock stopped ticking when I turned 20, and it only started again when I turned 50, and so I'm just 22. It also works with distance. You know, by that analysis, it's only 300 miles from here to Florida. You know, you stop the odometer when you get to Kentucky border and only start again when you get to Florida. You know, or whatever. Uh, you know, it all, it all works out better if you can do those things. But it's just like, wow, how arbitrary. And we're talking about it needs to be literal. Well, that's a far cry from literal. It's just, you know, the, the theory is the mother of what's said. It's just not in the text. So I would strongly object to starting with anything other than Cyrus's decree. It's clearly Cyrus's decree. And then I object to this whole deal with prophetic years and real years. Whoever dreamed that up was ingenious, but there's nothing in the Bible to <laughs> indicate that. And then this whole idea of just having this 2,000-year gap where the prophetic time clock stopped ticking. All of that is just totally invented on that part. If we make this symbolic, because they're making it symbolic to some extent, and just see what it's saying, it's perfect. But if we try to force it into semi-literalness, then we've got to do all this weird stuff that just isn't there. So, really, I don't think the passage is that tough. What makes it tough is all the false teachings that people have invented about it. You just read the passage, it says what it says. It's okay. Where do they get the, the I missed where they got the 360 days. Well, they're, they say, but I don't know if, if they've got a justification for this, I don't know what it is. They say prophetic years only 360 days. So but because as far as I know, that's an assertion. Do is it. that because 360 is what they needed to do this calculation? <laughs> that's what I was thinking. So, you know, they actually solved it for 360 and said, oh, you have to use 360. You know, my other thing would be the Revelation counts a month as 30. When, when you look at the times... Maybe something like that. The number of days, 1,260 days. days. Yeah, probably something like that. I think it has to do with 30-day months. So, yeah.
Here's a, here's an explanation from uh, of this. This is uh, this is Ryrie. So oh, that would be classic. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, this, is, this is verse 26 talking about it. So we've got the 62 weeks. Certain important events were to happen after the 62 weeks plus the seven weeks are the total of 69 weeks. The crucifixion of the Messiah and the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70 by the Romans who were the people of the prince who is to come. Because these events were to occur after the 69 weeks had run their course and before the 70th week began, there must be a space of time between the conclusion of the 69th week and the beginning of the 70th. Wow. Let's see, has he got anything on the... A whole other gymnastics. It doesn't look like very much stuff he's got, does it? Not too much. There's the whole the Antichrist there and the this and the, yeah. So. What's this one? What's the name? Uh, it, Ryrie. Ryrie, I never heard of it. This one we don't listen to? I see that and then I just block it out. Yeah, the Ryrie is very pre-millennial and very communistic. The okay. 77s begin with a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. The commandment of Artaxerxes Longanmanus, given in 445 B.C., Nehemiah 2.5. Earlier, Cyrus has authorized the rebuilding of the temple, uh, plaza and moat. The public square and moat were rebuilt by the time the first seven weeks, 49 years, were completed. So... Uh, it doesn't look to me like he really tries to defend that all that much. Uh, yeah, but if if you had a study Bible that had more extensive notes, uh, they they go through all that. Uh, what I'm saying is really not. I mean, it's not hard to find the the, the strong premillennialists. That's what they say about this. There may be a few details different from one to another, but essentially they all believe that. They do differ on when they start and how they jimmy the years, but but they all do something like this. Uh, Actually, here we go. Okay. Um, cool. 70 weeks, literally 77s. Obviously, years are meant, for Daniel <laughs> had been thinking of this, the years of the captivity. 490 days is 16 months, and 490 weeks is nine and a half years, both too short to accommodate the events of the prophecy. Furthermore, weeks of days are so specified in 10, 2 through 3, where the Hebrew adds days. This period of 490 years concerns your people, the Jews, and your holy city, Jerusalem. Um, so, yeah, there's part of that. Yeah, you still have to go through all the calculations. That's what they do. Do premillennialists consider themselves Christians? Yeah, I mean, mostly. Just like any, just like yeah. any denomination. Well, premillennialism is not like a church. It's like a teaching that many churches have. Okay. You know, like, you know... Oh, I don't know, once saved, always saved. That's not a church. That's a belief a lot of people in different churches subscribe to. So, um, different. it's really popular in radio and TV preaching. And then a lot of denominations, especially the more evangelical denominations, tend to be premillennial. I mean, you know, just a lot of books and things have been written to popularize that as well as the radio and TV preaching. So. Okay. The left of the mind. Pre-millennial. Why is it called that? Are we in that time? Is that what they're saying? We are currently pre-millennium. That means that the tribulation and all those things occur before the thousand-year reign of Christ. Of course, that is looking at it all from their perspective on those things. But a pre-millennial believes all those things occur before the thousand-year reign. Post-millennial means that 
you know, we're in the rain now, or we will get in the rain and then the bad things will happen. And our millennial means you don't believe in that kind of a millennium, uh, which is the correct view. But, and this is the, the thousand years in Revelation yes, and all of this. Yes, exactly. So that's where the millennial And, and really, are. premillennial is a big term. These guys are more accurately dispensational than premillennialists. There have been tons of premillennials all through the church's history that didn't believe any of this stuff. But this is dispensationalism that was more popularized by a guy named Darby in England and the Schofield Reference Bible, and then it took off. So the last 200 years has developed all this specialized thinking, uh, you know, about passages like this. And the, the, the Left Behind series, you may have all seen, that, yes. that's all related to premillennialism and talking about how those events are going to happen because it's going to be the rapture and then the people who are left behind they get their second chance later and isn't that just fiction though or is it supposed to be it is supposed to be kind of biblical fiction yeah okay gotcha yeah they're trying to teach that doctrine it's supposed to be based on Mm -hmm. the events in kind kind of imagining what it will be like based upon what they think about It's really always much easier to explain the Bible than to explain the false doctrine. So, the Bible's not too bad, but the false doctrine's really complicated. Other questions or comments? Alright, let's come to chapter 10 then, which begins the last vision of Daniel. But this is a three-chapter affair.